Thank you for joining us again on the 3 and D podcast. I am Justin Lewis, uh, your host, and we, you can find the podcast on Twitter at 3 and D pod. And you can find me at J underscore Timberfake underscore. And of course, we are part of the Grizzly Bear Blues family of uh, podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. You can find us online at SBN or grizzlybearblues.com. Uh, make sure you go and follow and listen to the Core 4 podcast, GBB Live, and our new podcast, The Starting Five. Today, as always, we have a great lineup of guests, a special episode where we have three of our ladies from Grizzly Bear Blues joining us. Uh, our first one is uh, senior staff writer, Leanna Ritter. Leanna, how are you doing? I'm good. I would be doing a lot better if we got the win today. Yeah, I think we're all feeling that, that kind of way. Uh, if you would, Leanna, kind of tell everybody what you're doing for us at GBB and where we can find you on social media. Uh, yes, you can find me at Twitter. Let me look. I should definitely know this by now, but I don't. At Leanna Ritter underscore. Um, and I'm just kind of trying to get Instagram off the ground and build our social media presence. Um, and yeah. If you, you probably don't know this, but Instagram was actually my idea that I brought to Parker and to Joe. Um, I just didn't, <laughs> I didn't get running with it. Um, so I'm glad that they brought somebody in to, uh, to do that. Um, so we're excited to have you on. Next, we have Miss Lauren Harvey, who has one of the greatest Twitter handles of all time. Lauren, how are you? I'm doing great, Justin. Thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, um, I'm just a big fan, and honestly, I admire the grind of everybody on GBB, and I just do this because I'm a fan, so I write in my free time, and it's just something, honestly, that's fun, and I love the Grizzlies, and I love you know, just uh, putting in my two cents, but I admire everybody, um, you know, that that grinds on that site, so, and you can find me at Drogic Kingdom, so, yeah. That is great. Yeah, so please give us the back backstory to your Twitter handle. Um, the backstory is is so I don't know, but as as many um, as as many people that grew up in the early '90s, I was a big fan of No Doubt, and uh, Tragic Kingdom is one of the best albums of all time. So um, I got into a a uh, you know fantasy basketball league and drafted Goran Dragic. And so, you know, it just made sense. Tragic Kingdom is one of the best albums of all time. Goran Dragic, Dragic Kingdom. So, yeah, big No Doubt fan, big Goran Dragic fan. We talking, was this during uh, Dragic's Phoenix days or his Miami days? Miami Heat. Miami yeah. days. Well, our uh, last but not least guest on our episode is Miss Jordan Peterson. Jordan, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you. Let let everybody know where they can find you on uh, social media as well. Yeah, um, I had to look as well. Uh, you can find me at Jordan P underscore nine zero one, and that's on Twitter. And um, I like Lauren just kind of started writing as a hobby for Grizzly Bear Blues. I thought it sounded interesting when they posted applications. In my day life, I'm an attorney, but it's a lot of fun to get to come home and watch the Grizzlies and have a rooting interest and be able to watch kind of on a more granular level, knowing that you have to write about it. 
I think it kind of lends itself to, to seeing the fan experience in a different way. So I've really enjoyed that. This is kind of my second season doing that. That's awesome. This is also my second season with Grizzly Bear Blues. I started the same kind of way with um, uh, Bill Street Bears. Parker and Nate were running that site over uh, for fan sided and I thought it would be fun to do it. They brought me on, and then uh, the next year carried me over with them to Grizzly Bear Blues. So we have an awesome team. I'm excited for this episode. And so what we're going to do first is we are just a few hours removed from a tough loss to the Toronto Raptors uh, on this Sunday afternoon. Uh, Lauren claims that she's going to be the optimist, so I'm saving her for last. Um, and I'm going to go first to get it out of the way. Um, I still can't stand Dylan Brooks. And um, at one point he was 0 for 5, and the, uh, the rest of our team combined was like 4 for 8, and then it got to the point where he had combined for more shots taken than Brandon Clark, John Morant, Jonas Valanciunas, and – he just kept jacking shots up, turning the ball over. Uh, just, It's never one player that loses a game, but it just felt like Dylan Brooks had his hands all over this loss today. Um, the, he almost did nothing positive. And you're going to look at the, the, the stat sheet and be like, oh, he scored 20-something points. Of course he helped, you know, today. No. Like, the flow of the offense was killed every time he touched the ball. Every shot he took was out of the – the way the offense works. And when he came out, the ball movement was just excellent. And he just continues to make stupid fouls and stupid turnovers. Um, now, granted, one of you mentioned this when you hopped on before we started the recording. We weren't going to win that game. Um, Toronto needed to beat us to um, solidify their spot as a two seed facing New Jersey rather than – or Brooklyn rather than facing Philadelphia in the first round, which is – it makes sense. Like, we were the easiest game they had left. They needed to win it, and their defense is outstanding. I don't think I realized how great Toronto's defense was until today's game, and the pressure they put on the ball at all times is insane. Um, I don't know if I could ever even get a dribble off um, moving left or right against those guys. Um, so it was a game that we probably weren't going to win, but when you're down uh, three with, like, three minutes to go, and then – I think it was Brandon Clark did his little lead pass into the other side of the court and it turned into a turnover and then Siakam hit a three and then it was just, it just shifted right there. Like our Grizzlies never give up and we were in it and you felt like we had a chance and then it was just like ripped from us and it was just heartbreaking. So uh, I'm going I'm to ask Jordan to give her immediate thoughts on today's game. And then when she's done, Leanna, you take it and then, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up with our uh, in-house optimists. Yeah, yeah. So my immediate thoughts were, well, that was on brand, you know. Um, heaven forbid, you know, it not be a roller coaster ride with the Grizzlies. You can almost, um, you can almost tell, it, 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 maybe the conclusion was always inevitable, but uh, the journey is always going to be interesting and frustrating and it was frustrating to kind of see that narrative that we've seen in the bubble with Dylan Brooks kind of um you know hot and cold and mostly cold and it's like you said it the box score yeah maybe there's stats there but um when you watch it with your own eyeballs it becomes evident kind of that the timing is off or what he does is disruptive or it yeah it shifts momentum or and it's it's something that it's not my nature to want to constantly defend somebody but I've had a hard time um 
you know, my gosh, oh, that's got to be tough just on a human level to see all of the visceral reactions to Dylan Brooks live tweeted. You know, there's just a party that's like, oh, gosh, he's got a mama somewhere. Like, oh, you guys. But as a fan of the game, um, you have to kind of just go, come on. I don't know if it's in the coaching. I don't know if it's his own judgment or if his instincts are off. But um, I definitely picked up on the Dylan Brooks thing. And also just the absence of, of Jonas Valanciunas in this particular game you know, compared to his contributions in the game previous. It's just, I think his ability to score down low is crucial for us. And that avenue was just completely cut off. So um, I wasn't shocked at the outcome. I've kind of calibrated myself to it being a roller coaster with Grizzlies. But um, it was definitely, definitely sad when you thought you had a glimmer of hope there and then it was, it was lost. So Yeah, going off of what you said, um, I feel like this is kind of what you expect when you watch the Grizzlies, especially considering the past week and a half that we've had. It's been a complete and utter roller coaster. It feels like every time you feel like we have a win, it's taken away from us. And I agree. I have a tough time with all the naysayers on Twitter with Dylan Brooks because he's still a human. And I mean, even I said last week, I want him off my roster, but it's kind of getting to the point where it's like, at what point is enough enough? Because I feel like he's had a hand in every single one of our losses, like a decent hand. And it's, it's frustrating. Um, and it's disappointing. And I, I don't know, I I'm here right now because I need some kind of optimism because it feels it feels bad right now, and it's it's never as bad as it seems, but it seems pretty bad right now. Yeah, well, you know, I am happy to provide that optimism. <laughs> um, so the good news for the Grizzlies is when you look at what has happened in the bubble so far, um, you know, every other team has kind of held them out, quite honestly. Um, the fact that they are still in pole position to be the eighth seed and to, you know, just have to win one game in the play-in is amazing. And the good news for this particular game is, you know, um, the Raptors have locked themselves in the two seed. That means the Celtics are for sure the three. And so they might just rest, you know, some players in Tuesday's game. So, and I have seen from basically the Pelicans game to now, the Grizzlies have responded. I have seen and been watching the games and their effort has been so much better since that game. Like I, I, I watch this game and there are things that I can nitpick and you know, you can bash Dylan Brooks and, and all that. But when I look at it, their effort has been so much better in the past two games. And that's all I wanna see. And they are still in the position to get that eight, eight, eight spot and to, you know, again, just, just have to win one. And we'll see what happens. But the other teams have not stepped up that, that the Grizzlies have, um, that have been behind the Grizzlies. So, you know, we'll see. But um, there's been a lot of good stuff in terms of effort, um, in terms of, you know, Grayson Allen has been absolutely incredible. I mean, like, you know, as, as a, as you go into this thing and you kind of know the absolute ceiling for what might happen. And that's maybe you get a game from the Lakers, maybe. 
But in terms of just being able to evaluate your roster, Grayson Allen looks like a piece. Um, D'Anthony Melton absolutely stepped up today. He almost set the uh, franchise record for steals. Tony Allen had eight. You know, D'Anthony Melton had seven in today's game. So, um, you know, I see a lot of good things in terms of, you know, we – it's frustrating. I get that. I really do. But this is the defending champs. And it's been a rough ride. And I, I, I feel like, you know, if we had Tyus Jones, you know, we'd be probably have three wins and be in the driver's seat. I really do believe that. Yeah. So, Leanna, you, you and Jordan both hit on the human side of Dylan Brooks. And, Leanna, I saw your Twitter the other game saying get him off my team I'm like all right <laughs> I like this new hire by Joe because she gets it um and now you're coming back in and saying you feel bad about it well um, not today's game no I'm, I'm back to <laughs> team get him off my roster <laughs> yeah yeah uh well so my wife gives me a hard time about being so hard on Dylan on Twitter um partly because he's he's a human being who has feelings and my response to that is he's a $10 million um, NBA player who has feelings that is not paying any attention to what I say on Twitter. Um, and the other part of it is that as, as believers, uh, I have to, you know, maybe watch what I say on Twitter, but I have found myself to be beyond frustrated with Dylan. And my Twitter timeline today was nothing but Dylan Brooks slander because I just can't, I can't do it anymore. I'm, I'm done. Um, I, one of the things I said today was he has now passed Jeff Green as my least favorite Grizzly of all time. Um, wow. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. It, was, it was the moment when Grayson Allen was wide open in the corner and he pulled up with 11 seconds on the shot clock, five feet behind the three-point line, double teamed. And it was at that point I was like, this dude does not get it. And I don't know if it's basketball IQ that he just doesn't have right. or just this – overconfidence in his abilities that nobody else has but him. Um, I saw somebody tweet, uh, in quotes, it's Dylan Brooks' time, in quotes, and then it was Dylan Brooks saying <laughs> it was Dylan Brooks' time because he's the only one saying it's Dylan Brooks' time. Nobody else is, like, excited that it's Dylan Brooks' time. But when he gets when he gets going, like, he does help the team. Like, when he's in the zone, there's no doubt that he can help our team. It's just there's been no zone for him. In the bubble. Um, but I agree with you, Lauren. Grayson Allen has been a huge highlight of the bubble. Um, he looks like a piece going forward 100%, which Parker and I have been screaming all season long. And for whatever reason, Joe Mullinax is trying to get Grayson off our team. And I don't get it. Uh, he is the best pure shooter that we have. And then D'Anthony Milton finally showed up today. That's huge. If we can get him and Grayson's continued shooting, we will win one of these next two games. Um, Tyus Jones' impact has been more obvious than I expected it to be with him being out. Uh, I didn't realize how important he actually was. Even in just 13 minutes of no jaw, how important Tyus Jones is to running our team. Um, and then Josh Jackson, I think, has been a revelation of just how much he's not a part of our plans. Uh, I, with him being the leading scorer like the last 11 or so games on our team with like 17 points a game, I thought for sure coming into the bubble – like, this is going to be where he proved himself, and then now he's not even getting in garbage time almost. So, let's talk about Oklahoma City. 
All right, we'll go uh, in reverse order this time with uh, Lauren. Just kind of give us your thoughts on the, that OKC win, just real briefly, and just kind of uh, what you saw in that game. Yeah, that was super encouraging. I mean, they fell behind early, and you kind of thought, okay, you know, here we go again. Um, but they really kind of uh, proved, you know, that, okay, um, you know, the energy and effort is going to be here. And they stepped up, and, um, you know, they really kind of showed that we can beat good teams. And that's what we wanted to see, because in the bubble – all that's left is good teams. You're not going to be playing the Knicks. You're not going to be playing the Hawks. Like it's, it's only good teams left. And that's kind of been the thing where, um, you know, they're only playing good teams left. They need to step up. And I thought that they really did step up in that game. Um, it was encouraging to see, and it was, it was a win that we absolutely needed just to stay alive. Um, and we got it, and it was it was just absolutely awesome to see. Um, there was so much, just in terms of you go down, you know, that's one of those things where you don't even have to watch the game. You can just look at the box score, and it was just, you know, very even across the board through the starters, through the bench. It was just um, everybody was chipping in, and it was just a very, very good win um, and a much-needed win. Um, yeah, I was pretty impressed with the fact that it seems like we were a complete team for the first time in the bubble. Um, I liked seeing the consistency from jaw that we hadn't seen at all. Um, I will say that I felt hopeless after playing the Spurs. The Jazz gave me a little hope. They obviously were gassed at the end of the game, and I think that was the main problem, um, not being able to finish out there. But it was nice seeing, like, a full – complete team playing a full complete basketball game the first time I had seen it the entire time they've been in Orlando and it was it was definitely encouraging and I still feel like it's possible for them to get another win it just it's it's tough not being a negative Nancy when you see the talent and you see how much they're capable of and I mean they've held every single team to what I don't think they've lost by more than 10 points which is pretty impressive um, especially considering we're overachieving. So it was nice to, it was nice to see a win and a significant win at that. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. It was encouraging to see that happen. I was kind of glad that it was timed the way that it was that particular win, because it was a really big blow when you found out that Jaron Jackson Jr. was not was not coming back. And so I knew based on past experience with the Grizzlies and their tenacity that, you know, if ever there's a moment that they're going to kind of come together and figure things out, and that probably simplified some options for uh, Taylor Jenkins of, of what, he, what he gets to throw out there. Um, and it just worked. Um, I had to double check the, um, you know, the scores of the quarters because I was like, really, Oklahoma City had 18 in the third and 14 in the fourth. You know, we were we, we had their effort evaporated by the end of that game. Um, and that's encouraging, especially a team that's led by Chris Paul. Um, so jaw contrast with Chris Paul, who's a veteran, you know, that's got to be game recognized game, but just in totally different generations. And, and for him to have shined in that environment, I thought was incredibly encouraging. Um, and yeah, I mean, even in the wins and the losses, that particular win, you know, I, I was hopeful and happy to get it. Um, but, you know, you zoom, you zoom out to the big picture, like you guys have mentioned, and 
end of the day, they've always ever been doing way more than anyone ever expected of them. And so I have tried to train myself not to exaggerate the wins and not to exaggerate the losses and to zoom out, see the big picture. And half the time that's me saying, I'm just glad to be watching basketball again, my friends. <laughs> so um, that would be my optimistic take on it. Uh, it would have been nice if we could have built on that with a win today, but um, I don't think all is lost. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's, it was a very much on-brand win because it was a game where you lost your second best player um, you got beat the game before and you weren't supposed to win this game. They are the better team and they came out and they dominated, um, very much a on-brand Grizzlies type deal. Uh, they had huge implications for where we're at. So right now, um, we are one game up on both the Trailblazers and the Spurs. We're a game and a half up on the Suns and we cannot be passed by the Kings or the Pelicans. And I'm watching the Blazers and Sixers as we speak, and the Blazers are up 14 in the second quarter. Um, and the Sixers do not have Ben Simmons, and, and apparently that's a big deal for them. Uh, so if the Blazers go on to win, the Pelicans are eliminated. They, they can't even make the play-in game. Um, but that puts them a half game behind us. Had we lost to Oklahoma City and we were still winless, we would now be tied with Portland with games against the Celtics and the Bucks, but for them, I think they only have the Mavericks and the Nets. So, like, they're probably going to win their next two games. All we have to do is win one more, and we're going to be going up against the Celtics, as you guys said, that have locked up the three seed, so they may not play their guys, and then the Bucks have locked up the one seed, so they're, you know, hopefully going to rest um, their guys. Now, the Spurs, I don't think they're going to win one of their last two, any of their last two games. They have the Rockets, um, and then I can't remember who they have last, but it's somebody that's significantly good that still needs to be playing. And then the Suns have three games left, and I, I don't think they're going to go 8-0 and in the bubble. At some point, you know, they're going to come back down to earth as the Grizzlies and the Pelicans have done inside the bubble. So, with all that, um, it is – now, it's just a 13-point game with seven minutes to go in the first half with Portland and the Sixers. Uh, we are rooting for Philadelphia in this house at the moment. Uh, we need all – we've been getting help. Like, it is absolutely insane that we are uh, in the position that we are still with as poorly as we played, but it's just like nobody wants to have the eight seed. Um, <laughs> and, you know, now I'm just at the point where it's don't panic if we don't make it because we aren't supposed to be here. Um, we're probably not going to make the playoffs next year because you have Golden State that's going to be healthy. Um, New Orleans will have Zion the entire season. So you, you don't know um, what's going to go from here. We just need to be glad, like you said, Jordan, that basketball's back. Um, so let, let, I want to transition from actually talking, uh, you know, recapping games to um, women in sports and then just like you guys in, in – in particular, like how you guys became basketball fans, how you guys became Grizzly fans. Because for for me, I became a basketball fan because I started playing basketball. Uh, my house was not a basketball house. Uh, we were very much a baseball um, at all times. And so I, I met a friend um, that played basketball and I started playing with him and I fell in love with the sport. My wife played high school basketball, but she wasn't a like – I'm going to become a fan of a team and watch the games. She could care less. She actually gets annoyed at how much I watch basketball. 
Um, she's tired of it being on the TV. I'm like, it's only been back for two weeks. Like, what do you mean? It's like, I've been without it for three months. Um, and now she's actually invested in the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, she loves John. She loves Jaren. Um, but she wouldn't have been that way unless like, I, I guess like forced it on her at all times. Um, but let's start with, uh, Leanna. How did you become a basketball fan? How did you become a Grizzlies fan? Um, I guess it starts probably with my dad. My dad was a basketball coach when I was growing up. I was at games when I was three years old. Um, my very first basketball game, I actually fouled out, which seems like the most thing, like most me thing I could possibly do. Uh, as I got a little older, like I played until I was like eight or nine. And then I just kind of started to go off and do my own thing. I wasn't really into sports. Um, I don't think I came back to caring about sports again until 2008 when um, everybody knows what happened in 2008. I don't have to bring up bad juju, but um, I think that's probably when I started really paying attention. And then I became a Grizzlies fan um, when Tony Allen punched OJ Mayo. Um, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And the fact that he got to start the very next game, I was like, that's so punk rock. Um, <laughs> And ever since then, I've been a Grizzlies fan. Uh, I, I really didn't care for professional until then because I felt like, you know, being a, like being a Tigers fan, it was hard for me to cheer for guys that were from like Duke and Louisville. And then we had a team that was so Memphis that it just fit. And that's kind of why I started to really, I guess, love basketball. Um, and ever since All right, we lost Leanna there for a second. Lauren, how about you? Yeah, so um, in terms of becoming a basketball fan, um, I grew up in the Chicago land area. Um, and so I was around for Michael Jordan's um, run. And, um, but at the same time, um, you know, I always appreciated the underdog. I always appreciated the team that had the scrap um, and, and grind, and that was not Michael Jordan's Bulls. So I am a Chicago sports fan in all their aspects, um, but when I moved to the Memphis area, the Grizzlies kind of really stole my heart, um, you know, because they were the team that, um, you know, really were counted out, and that they kind of put together this group of, of, of players that captured the, the heart of the city. Um, and so it really just kind of in terms of coming down to Memphis and getting involved in the coverage of the team and those personalities and the city, that's so rare. Like in terms of how, you know, again, those players and those personalities, we're so lucky to have them. Like it, it, like that, the core four just in terms of how it fit and how it meshed. Um, I never experienced that before as a sports fan. You know, there are teams that are successful um, and there are teams that are not successful. But when you have that, that marriage of personality that fits so well with the city, it's just, it's something that you can't help, especially if you live in the city, to fall in love with. So that's when I just, you know, fell in love with the Grizzlies. Gordon? Yeah, yeah. So I am a Memphian born and raised. I'm a hometown girl. I'm a homer. 
Um, I have probably spent lots of my energy defending my hometown against naysayers and um, for, for many reasons outside of sports. Um, and I played basketball for six years recreationally. My dad played his entire school career um, and then men's league and all that stuff. So it was definitely on in my house, the Orlando Magic, Penny Hardaway's Orlando Magic. So um, I watched it with him in my living room, loved it, realized I capped out at five foot one no basketball career for me. Um, and when we got a franchise in Memphis, I would go to the pyramid and watch him. I watched the Stromall Swift show. I watched, uh, you know, Bonzi Wells and Jason Williams. When we were awful, I named my cat Pau Gasol when I was 17 years old. Um, cause I love Pau Gasol so much. Um, and I just loved like, like Lauren said, kind of that relationship and grit that mirrored the city itself. We started out having something to prove as, you know, a team that was consistently at the bottom um, and just built an identity in this city that I think speaks volumes to what Memphis as a whole's brand is. And that is grit and that is tenacity. And, um, you know, has, as the team has evolved, it's been so inspiring to me to have been a fan, seen that journey. Um, now it's a little bit bizarre that I look at a roster of people that are seemingly all younger than I am, and I'm not really sure how that how that happened um, because it used to be these just these people that I was in high school and I admired, and now I'm like, oh my goodness, how how old are you? And I'm 33, so um, so that's been very interesting. I love I love being a Memphian. I love supporting the Grizzlies, and I definitely love now that um, there's kind of a bigger push for in WNBA fanhood and just women in the sports media world. So it's been really awesome to kind of be a fan alongside a more diverse group of voices. Yeah, I remember like elementary school. Um, the only basketball I ever remember coming on TV was Michael Jordan versus the Utah Jazz. It felt like anytime I ever turned the TV on to watch it, like those were the only two teams that ever played. Hey, John Stockton. <laughs> yeah. So then um, when they did get the team, uh, I never went to a game in the pyramid, but um, they were so bad in the FedEx forum that they would have the Fox Sports South broadcast trivia questions. And if you answered one right on the, when you text in, they call you and give you free tickets. And they called me one time, it was my birthday, and then they called me back two hours later, and I was like, y'all have already called me. Like, oh, well, here's two more tickets. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> like, they couldn't get people to games um, back in the day, and that was, like, Mike Miller and, and Stromile and, and, like, yeah. all those guys, and uh, to see where we are now and the level of excitement that we have in this city with this basketball team is, is awesome. And, and, Leanna, we can bring up 2008 anytime that you want because – I'm an Ole Miss fan, and it doesn't bother me at all to talk about it. Um, let's let's end it with this. We got about five minutes left. Um, each of you, kind of just give me your thoughts on the the progression of women in sports uh, from the media side, from the coaching side. Um, I don't know if y'all know this, but the uh, San Francisco Giants have hired the first female coach in baseball history. Um, she's actually the first base coach, uh, and then of course we know all about. Um, Coach Ivy for the Grizzlies is now, you know, with Notre Dame. And then um, we've got uh, – her name is slipping my mind for the Spurs. Help me out. 
Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond, yes. She is destined to be the next Spurs head coach when Popovich retires. So y'all just real quick, just kind of give me your thoughts on how far we've come and, and where we are today with, with that. We'll start with Jordan this time. Yeah, yeah. That one's really easy for me because um, I'm, a, I'm a gal and I'm raising a four-year-old girl myself. Um, and I didn't have a lot of that um, when I was growing up just visually represented on the TV for me. Um, and so I made a lot of inferences about, you know, this is a, this is a man's world. This is a, a man's world to thrive and to speak about and all of that. And um, having seen people trailblaze for lack of a better word um, in this industry has been extremely heartening to me, just even as a fan, but as someone that knows that my daughter is going to get to grow up and see that uh, represented in a way that, that I did not. So that, that's really exciting for me. More. Yeah, so, I mean, just in terms of um, representation and um, on the media side, a lot of my favorite broadcasters, analysts are women. And that is not to say, um, you know, that obviously there's plenty of talented men, um, but it, it really does, you know, when we and, and even locally, I know, you know, we have um, a lot of women, Jessica Benson, um, you know, and Megan Triplett, uh, the, the, the Rise and Grind show is, is just amazing. And so that's, you know, when, when we have women in sports and broadcasting and representation, um, you know, like Jordan said, you know, there are people that look up and representation is so important in terms of I, uh, I can see myself there. That person looks like me. Um, and they're good at their job. Um, and there's, again, lots of women um, who are very good at their job. Um, and it's just so encouraging to see so many women getting opportunities um, and so many women just absolutely killing it. So, um, you know, again, like, it's just in terms of representation, it's, it's very encouraging to see where we're going, and I hope we keep it up. Um, for me, it's just, it's nice looking at how far things have come just in the past decade. I remember being in middle school and sitting at the boys' table, and they would question my ability to understand sports just because I was all. They would ask me who the basketball coach was for whoever and I would spit it out and they would just think it was like such a cool party trick and I'm like this is just my hobby and this is what I like um but it's encouraging to see where we're going and it's encouraging being able to tell kids that I work with that they can do whatever they want when they grow up not just because they're a boy not just because they're a girl they can be whoever they want to be and it's encouraging to see the world changing Absolutely. And it, it goes to show that you don't have to have played that specific sport to be able to be knowledgeable about it. Um, I think Doris Burke is probably one of the best broadcasters there is. Um, so we definitely have come a long way. We still have a long way to go. Um, and with that statement, like I'm excited that you guys are a part of GBB uh, in whatever you know format that you are. Um, we, we hope that you guys continue to grow with us and even go beyond us and, and do what you want to do. Uh, with your life. I, I appreciate all three of you coming on um, and being a part of this show. And this will definitely not be the last time um, that we have uh, you guys on our show. So uh, for our ladies, 
this has been another episode of the three and D podcast, and we will see you guys next week. <laughs>